I am your father. This is a Brandon Colby Jacobs from Facebook exclusive. And you'll see why 1984 won't be like 1984. Touche, my nigga. Touche. Yo, what it do, what it is, man. It's your boy, Brandon Kobe Jacobs, and you are listening to the Established 1984 podcast, man. It is crazy because it is, it's almost, I guess, uh, it's, it's sad on a certain level that it took this long we got all the way to episode 25 before I got an opportunity to sit down and chat with this man. Uh, it is uh, it is unbelievable that it has taken this long, but we're here now. We have an opportunity to sit down and chat. I'm really excited and looking forward to this. Um, many of you know that me and this man ran the streets together in the mid and late 2000s. Um, we did a lot of events together. I was his manager, and we even got to a point to where we put on an event that I think we'll do a little bit of talking about and its impact on the uh, on kind of the marketplace and things like that. The DJ Melange. Some of y'all, <laughs> some of y'all call it the Melang. <laughs> One of the greatest DJs in the history of Duval County has been inspiration for many, many a person and has a uh, quite a story to tell about where he's been and what he's been up to. I have my good friend. Dan Elvin J. Haskell, a.k.a. DJ D-Money on the line. D-Money, how are you, sir? How's it going, man? What's going on? Ain't nothing, man. Ain't nothing, man. I mean, it's been a minute. I mean, obviously, me and you have talked. We talked about doing the podcast. We kind of missed each other over the last few weeks trying to get this done. So I'm excited so we can sit down and chat. Not just not just for us as two people shooting the shit, but also, uh, you know, as... as this is this podcast has sort of become something where it kind of chronicles the history of Duval County, and so I'm really excited to get a chance to sit down with you and, and kind of get your side and, and get your point of view on the history of Duval County, man. Yeah, I'm ready, man. Let's uh, yeah, chat it up. All right. Well, I guess we'll start from the beginning. You're not necessarily a Duval native. You're not from that far away of Duval County. You're from Palatka. Why don't you tell everybody kind of what it was like growing up in, in, in Palatka and kind of give you a little bit about your early years? Yeah, uh, like I said, you know, I'm Putnam County, Palatka, Florida. Um, you know, just an hour from there is pretty much, you know, the small town. I, you know, grew up a little country boy on a dirt road and, you know, out in the streets and just, uh, you know, I, I grew up an athlete, you know, really, you know, the music thing came later in life. So, you know, I was a big, you know, I played baseball my whole life and, um, you know, what drew me to Jacksonville was when I, you know, I attended, uh, University of North Florida. Right. And, um, you know, I went there, I played, you know, two years, uh, baseball there and then I had an opportunity to play, uh, semi-professional ball. So, you know, sports is my life, man. You know, just, uh, you know, that, uh, was my dream and, you know, I pursued it as long as I could. Got a little bit, you know, I got an opportunity to play and, and make some money and, uh, you know, so and then, then after that chapter in my life, that's how, you know, that's kind of how, you know, I evolved from, from Palaka to Jacksonville. Um, you know, I guess it's kind of like from Jacksonville to Atlanta. Everybody wants to move to Atlanta. Right. People at Palaka want to move to, you know, want to move to Jacksonville. You know, that's where everybody went to go out, you know, go to clubs and, you know, got to eat restaurants and things like that. Cause there's right. really, you know, wasn't a whole lot to do here. So, um, but, so yeah, that's how that whole transition took place from, 
from here to Jacksonville. Okay. Now, growing up, was was music kind of a part of your life in the early years, or is it something that once you get to UNF, is something that you start gravitating towards? Because obviously you have an ear as it relates to music because you've been such a prolific DJ. But was that something that was there early on in life in some capacity or another? Maybe you just didn't notice, or, or did it just literally show up once you got to college? Yeah, it was one of those things that, you know, a lot of people, especially when I went, people found out that I was DJ, it was like kind of a shock to people because they just knew me as an athlete. So they were like, you know, where did this come from? And even in my own, you know, state of mind, you know, it was kind of a, it just, it was a situation that occurred and happened. And, I'll, you know, we'll break that down as we continue to discuss this, uh, you know, topic. But, you know, I grew up, you know, I'm mixed, you know, I'm, I'm you know, my mom's white, my dad's black. And right. so, you know, I there's a, a, a wide range of music that I listened to growing up from, you know, the, the oldies and, and country music and rock and, and you know, of course, you know, your, your hip-hop and R&B and stuff. So, you know, it's just a, 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 a huge realm of music that, you know, I was exposed to and listened to from all different types of cultures. So, you know, that played a huge, you know, reason for, you know, my, my ear for music. And as I, uh, you know came to become a DJ. Um, I, I love music. You know, I, I ended up, you know, people were always like, well, maybe it was because, you know, he had a sound system and, you know, I had speakers in my car. And, right. you know, I was always every Tuesday at Soundgarden. There's a store here called Soundgarden. I was in there every Tuesday morning buying whatever CD was coming out. Whether, mm-hmm. you know, at that time it was, you know, No Limit. You know, I was in there by every No Limit artist even if I didn't even know if they were going to be good or not, whether Big Ed, you know, Fiend, <laughs> Mac, Gold Dudgery. Uh, hey, Fiend uh, was nice, know. though. Fiend was nice, man. So, you know, all the Cash Money albums, I mean, you know, I was in it every Tuesday. Like I said, every Tuesday morning I was buying some CD of some sort. And if I didn't like the CD, I'd take it back, trade in, and get some credit, and then buy another CD. But, you know, I had CD books for days in my truck. So, I mean, like I said, I love systems. I love music. So, I always had a ear for it, and um, you know I could even while I'm listening to those songs, I would you know mix another song in my head that would go to it. But and later on, when I started you know going to the clubs, you know four or five was probably one of those guys that kind of sparked that you know notion to want to you know take this to another level. Because I was like, you know, man, I was thinking the same thing. Mm-hmm. And you know, these were this was in his days when he was at T-Birds and um, even Stadium Club. Okay. Um, when I was going there on Thursday nights, and you know, I was a big supporter of, of Q, and um, wherever he was at, you know, my sister and um, Cece, you know, mm-hmm. and we we was always going to those spots, and he, I just I loved his craft and his style, and, and he, you know, his uh, his passion for music, and I was like, you know, well, but it was just at that time, you know, I just didn't know nobody to get me into into that direction with it, so it just it just stayed at uh, just in my mind, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't ever go any further than that until 2004 I think it was I moved to Jackson in 2001 right. so from 01 to 03 I was just you know going to the clubs and you know I, I like I say supported him you know my first club I went to was Choices I want to stop you right there that was bigger ranking so I want to um, stop you right there because we, I want to back up a little bit because I kind of want to okay. get a feel for okay. for for college life as you before you actually get into the component of actually wanting to DJ. So you graduate in 98 from high school? 
Yes, 98. I graduated in 98 from Plaga High. All right, so you graduated in 1998, and then you end up in a situation where you end up going to UNF, and you start the athletic component. You start playing baseball on the collegiate level. What is life like for you? Because obviously, me and you have talked. We have a relationship, so I know that, like, like clubbing and all that kind of stuff, that initially wasn't really kind of like who you were. You was kind of a student and an athlete and things like that. How does life shift to where those are things that start becoming interesting to you that you even get into a place to where you want to go to venues where somebody like a Q45 is at? Because obviously you guys are two totally different people. I mean, at this point, you guys don't have a relationship per se when you start going to venues where he's DJing, but just... This kind of culture and this lifestyle of nightclub is not something that was a part of the fabric of who you were. Like how I grew up, I grew up around my sister Carla, where I was around Lil Bodie, Big Bodie, Bigger Rankings, and people mm-hmm. like that were on the on the cusp of my life. It wasn't like that for you. So, how do we get to that place to where that's something that you start doing? Is that just kind of like natural natural progression because you know you're in school and all your other friends are going to the club, or what happens there? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, I came. To, to UNF at one I was at St. John's, um, played Juco ball two okay. years before that. So I was okay. getting recruited to come to UNF. So it was, you know, in the process. But when I got there, no, music was not, you know, as far as on, on that level, mainstream clubbing and stuff was not, you know, at that, I was not at that place. You know, I was all about baseball. That was my focus. And, you know, my dream and goal was to try to get an opportunity to play professional baseball. So, um, you know, that's, you know, that's all I cared about, but you know, and I, and, I, and while I was there, you know, I wasn't trying to, you know, put jeopardize my situation with playing baseball. So I didn't really go out that much. It would be hit or miss, you know, or in the, in the summertime when you know when the season was over with. Right. But it was at, it was after 2003. That's the year I, my last year playing at UNF, and then I did play uh, semi professionally that summer. Mm-hmm. Um, up until August of 2003, okay. and I decided to, uh, you know, I had to make it. It was a decision. It was, it was, it was, it was a tough decision. But you know, I, I can always look back and say, you know, I got an opportunity to play for money. Mm-hmm. I got to travel and, and play in different cities. Up, you know, in the mid mid state, Chicago, Michigan, right. uh, Indiana, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and stuff. So you know, I got to travel, ride buses, and, and you know, stay in hotels. And it just was, it just became stressful for me. And I was like, you know, it's, a, it's more business when you get to that level. So right. I, I, I did, you know, I got my chance and um I, I, I you know I did, you know, I played that, that season. But I decided I want to come back and finish my degree. Mm-hmm. So because I knew that, you know, and, and that you know, everybody's feed that in your ear, you know, get your education and you know, so part of me wanted to do that, but a lot of me didn't want to give up my passion for playing the ball. So it was kind of a tough decision to make. But, you know, as a child, you know, that's your dream, whether it's basketball, football, whatever, you want to try to get to the highest level. So it was a hard decision to, to leave that. But um, so it was after, you know, 2003 is when the whole music thing started to, to take place in my life and, and, and what ended up becoming DJ D-Money. Actually, D-Money was uh, originated when I was in 10th grade by uh, one of my teammates, but it was just a nickname, D-Money. So when I came to Jacksonville, I just said, well, I might as well just continue that name instead of coming up with a new one. So, All right. So let's talk about, I kind of want to get a sense, because everybody knows that the majority of what is the DJ D-Money story stems around Point Blank. It eventually moves into New Entertainment and Watts, but it starts there. 
who is the first person you meet? Is Mike the first person that you meet? Because I know that we've already interviewed several people from Point Blank Entertainment, and we've interviewed Ivory. So it's not a situation to where you know that you know we have a point of view as far as Point Blank Entertainment not necessarily being a organized formal organization in the in the early years is that what you walk into or is it or when you get into it it's kind of already a business and kind of already running how do how do things start in you connecting with the people that start the beginning of point blank entertainment okay well that started because i lived in what was infamously known as melrose apartment (laughs) um that's the the college that was the college you know all the athletes stayed there where it was SDJ or umf Right. Um, I, and some of my friends would come up, you know, and, and you know, they would have, you know, various parties and stuff, whatnot would be going on. But that's where I met um, Ivory. Uh, he was heavily promoting uh, Point Blank, passing out flyers. And so um, that was when he was doing the capos and doing, you know, other things. And so that's how I, you know, ran into him um, through being, in, you know, like I said, he was always in there heavily flooding flyers on the doors and passing them out into the uh, apartment complex. And, um, you know, I would go to the capos and, you know, just, um, you know, support that and stuff. And, you know, I'll never forget him telling me, man, get your equipment, dog, get your equipment, I'll put you on. Mm-hmm. But I really didn't, you know, I still wasn't really, you know, didn't really believe it. Right. Now, did and, you um, did you feel like, did you feel like early on, what, I guess, kind of, what was I really like in those early years? Uh, was he a different guy than what you ended up knowing later on? What What was that like? Um, uh, he, I mean, with Ivory, and I, you know, I just say to, 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 to you know, nip this in the bud because I know it was said on there about beef. I don't like the word beef. I never had beef with Ivory. Um, I just think I just had, uh, I guess, my passion and, and desire to. I guess I, it was beginning a vision of where I wanted to get with it. Mm-hmm. As far as the DJ, and I guess we're going to get to that now. Now I know where okay. you're going. We're going to come back to that. So, okay. but I want to talk. I want to focus on the early early years. What's the relationship like in the early years? I mean, the early years, like I say, um, he just he was he he was business. You know, he he was he was grinding. You okay. know, that's his his work grinding. So I, you know, he was constantly. You know, that was that was how I always saw him. You know, he was that's predominantly every time I see him, that's what he was doing. Right. You know, he was passing out some sort of flyer, something to promote point blank. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's, you know, honestly, that's how I always was running into him. Mm-hmm. And so, like I said, you know, I, he, you know, gave out, you know, like I say, and that was when, you know, Cece was, um, got introduced in. And so we was always out, like I say, the Capos was the first place that, you know, I was going to. And, um, and then, of course, I mean, you know, J- you know, Jit was at that time when he was at the apartments. He knew Ivory because they went to school together and stuff. So you know, mm-hmm. I would always tell Jit, man, tell tell Ivory, um, you know, you know, I, I want, you know, I want to DJ and stuff. And you know, it never really, it never really took place. Right. So finally, I went to him and said, man, I, I want to DJ. Like, man, get you on equipment, get you on equipment, and you know, I'll put you on. So I finally got my own equipment. Mm-hmm. So I went back and asked Ivory. I said, "Hey, I got my equipment." I don't know if he was shocked by that. I really thought I was going to do it, but you know, it's like you know, he he was true to his word, and you know, and then you know, everything kind of just went off from there. So it was, it, it, even for me, it was like a man, this is really happening. Like I didn't, it just wasn't something like like I wasn't something I grew up wanting to be a DJ. You know, never crossed my mind. You know, just like nothing like that. But you know, I, 
different things. And so I had people coming to the houses all the time. And then so that's how that generated from that. Right. So what's the first venue but, uh, you're, you're ever in? What's your what's your first first night? Uh, I guess what was it? What was that, it like? First night, first venue, DJ. Were you terrible like everybody else says that they were? See, and, I, and that's the thing, though. I, you know, and that's what generated. Like, I know we're gonna get into that with me and one fifty one. But you know, my first gig, like when I when I got the equipment, you know, he's all right. We got meetings. I think we met on like Sunday nights, mm-hmm. if I'm correct. Right. Uh, and so I went to the first meeting, and he's like, "D money." Flesh um, Super Bowl, and I'm like, off oh, like you know this, you know. So I, I'm I'm nervous. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going. I'm DJing in front of fifteen hundred people. Right. You know, I think I think Outcast was the host of the night, and so um, you know I'm just busy getting all my seeds together, preparing and stuff. And um, you know, actually, and I, I probably did jump ahead just a little bit because one fifty one is actually the person that gave me my first gig. Okay. It was a house. It was a house party, and um, I, at that time, I actually had turntables. So I had turntables, and I'm going to um, Pro Music to buy CDs for Ray. Mm-hmm. Or not CDs, I'm sorry, vinyl for Ray. And of course, you know, they're not, it's not, you know, more expensive, but when you're having to say buy individual vinyl at $8 a piece, mm-hmm. it adds up. Right. So, you know, I had, I ended up, I didn't, of course, you know, 151 put me on with uh, D-Watch, with Upstart, so I would get records from them. Right. And um, so, you know, I, I had some records, so when he gave me the party, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm, let's do it. So I, I went, I'm, you know, I'm like, wait a minute, I don't have enough music. Because <laughs> I have, a, a, I have a, one side, I have a, a vinyl turntable, and then I have another a CD player. So I'm like, man, I can't do this. So I was like, I, I went back and got, got the other Pioneer because I had the Technique uh, DZL um, turntable that actually rotated like a record. Because right. there was just something about the, the record that I just, you know, I, I like to scratch. So mm-hmm. I had to go back and buy the other one so I could complement the other side so I made sure I had enough music. Everything right. went good with that, but, you know, that was just in a, a, you know, just a nugget. That's something that Mike was the one that gave me the first gig. And so that's how I ended up going, realizing that, you know, I'm not going to be able to do vinyl because everything was kind of geared towards the pioneers and, you know, it's just... Yeah. It just I know spending a lot of money and those records I never got to use because they just sat in the closet. You the know, world was moving to towards CDJs at that point. I mean, you know that that's just what it was. So. Yeah, and I would I wouldn't even I wouldn't even touch the CDJs because I just all I had ever seen was turntables. Right. So I I, I got those and so I was like, man, you know, so I ended up selling those. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I didn't even touch the CDJs. So I had the techniques, but you know, those ended up being. You know, it was a waste of money because it was always where the moisture got in them. They just, the seeds wouldn't work. And, you know, so being at the club, you know, whether it was Ivory or whoever, you know, you, you can't have the seeds skipping and scratching and stuff. But those would be stuff missing in the meetings, you know, with seeds scratching and skipping and stuff like that. So, yeah, eventually I did go to the tech, to the uh, CDJs. But, you know, so, yeah, that's, in a nugget, that's the first gig that I ever had okay. that led to Plush. And open up for Outcast, and to my knowledge, and what I remember, you know, I never, I don't, nobody gave me any negative comments about the night. Everything went good. Um, actually, I did that night. I opened up on Plus Side, and then I think Ivory came to me and said, "Hey, man, we need you over in um, Leopard Lounge to to do um, Dante Culpepper's uh, after party or whatever party he had going on at Leopard Lounge." So I jumped from Plus and went straight over there and ended up DJing the rest of the night on that side. So that was my first night. 
like I say, look back now on how fast it went, how you know how fast so it's gone. Crazy. It's like I didn't expect. I didn't expect that. You know, so it was, it was you know like this really, it really is happening. So it was, you know, right? It's surreal. That's, yeah, you know, that's that first time. night in out the gate, man. DJ, DJ in the damn Super Bowl party. That's that's yeah, yeah. That's, that's the first gig. I mean, outside of that house party, my first gig was in front of fifteen hundred people and plus, <laughs> and you know, you know, newly renovated, and so right. yeah, that was like, you know, who gets that kind of opportunity as their first time DJ? And so, what is that? That's like two thousand and four because the Super Bowl in Jacksonville was what oh four, right? I mean, oh, oh, oh four or five, I believe. Yeah, yeah something like oh four or five. I think yeah. we were on there, but yeah. So you start. Yep. So you you start off on, on this crazy high. Um, I guess the the I guess the next question is 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 where do things move from there? And I guess you can also speak to kind of the early relationship of having to be the point blank DJ that also is basically like you and One Fifty One are overlapping at this point, right? Because you are the two primary yep. DJs, right? Yeah, he was originally just doing the whole night. Right. Um, you know, I think I went a couple times and went out there and he was doing the whole night. Like I said, after I did plush, the next, you know, the next night we had a meeting and that's when I received, all right, starting this Friday, you'll open up for 151. So I would do the early And is this at the Roxy or are y'all at some other venue at this point? What's that? Are you already at the Roxy or are you at another venue on Fridays at that point? Cause no, I'm- I had- uh, no, I, point, I, I did plus for Super Bowl, and then the next week I started Roxy. That was my first, you know, actual club that I ever did. So, mm-hmm. I mean, um, the next, you know, like I said, nine, I'd be there at 9.30 set up, and I, I would DJ till 12. Okay. Okay, so, so what? That, so, yeah, Lee, like, yeah, so essentially, like, I, I always thought that the process was a lot a lot longer for you, but oddly enough, it really kind of, it just kind of spirals really quickly. I mean, it's like... It's like you're like a supernova, if you will, like just a star just shining so bright very, very quickly and, and instantaneously. Because literally, like it's only a couple of years before you and I cross paths and, and that goes where it goes. So literally all of this stuff is happening around 04, 05 and I show up into 05. So at that point, you had just basically started your career on a real serious yeah. level as a DJ. So what is it like for you as a DJ? You know, just coming into this, you're you're seeing all of the success super early, and at the same time, you're working in conjunction with with 151, where you guys are sharing time. What is that like? Is it a competitive relationship? Are you guys friends? What what is that like? I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a competition. I mean, I think people around us were trying to steer up competition. Like you know, people were like, uh, you should be closing, or you know, just trying to stir up things. And I guess in that in that department, I was more mature about. It. I wasn't going to feed into that, you know. So I, I was content with opening up. I actually like opening up because you know it was like I just you know like to do that. I, it gave me the opportunity to break songs, break music, right. and uh, so I, I had no problem opening up. You know, there were times when you know Mike had to do something at UNF, or maybe he was out of town that I would get to do the closing. You know. You know, thing. I think later in, the, in probably like oh seven oh eight, it didn't matter who opened or closed. It was just, it's like I don't know. It was like at that time in the beginning, it was like if you if you closed, you were the the DJ. But you know, right. later on, I noticed that you know people were opening up, and it was just as equal value as closing. Or if you closed, you were just taking over for the for the main guys, so they can you know rest or do whatever they want to do, leave the club or whatever, whatnot. So. You know, in the beginning, I guess it was the persona. If you were closing, you were the the highlight. And, you know, I mean, yeah, that was his night. Um, then he was, both of us are just, 
we're brand new. You know, he he got rookie of the year his first year DJ and all. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we're two brand new DJs. Nobody knew who we were, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so but for me, our, our relationship it never, you know, it never that never, you know, it never crossed that path. We never. I mean, both of us are quiet. You know, he. He's quiet. I'm quiet. Um, so I mean, we. But you're both. You're both. You both have a, a sense of confidence. Some might say arrogance about you. So I'm gonna ask you a straight question. Shoot it straight from the hip. Who's the better DJ, you or him, at that point? <laughs> In the beginning, yeah, I thought my as far as experience with music, I, I was better. Uh, um, and I, I think maybe I, you know, complimented that, and, and it helped him with it. And, and, his variety, but I know he has a lot of knowledge for music. I think he he had a, uh, and you know, obviously with the selection of, of clubs that he ended up going to, you know, there was different styles of music that he wanted to play. But um, you know, I you know, yeah, I think my ear for music in the beginning was was better than his, um, and it's just one of those things. I some some of it really, I just came and explained it. Just naturally, just came to me, right. um, and that's like I said, what I said with Q. Even you know later that people were like, oh, he's trying to be like you. It, it, that wasn't even the case. It just was. That's just you know. That, you could say that about Q being like other DJs in other cities. It was just a simple fact that you know that's the style of DJ I want to be, and I you know worked at it, and it just that's just the way it ended up being. But so in the beginning, yeah, I, I, I'll say that you know I thought I thought I was, but you know I was like I said, I didn't even just because I thought that way, I didn't like. I wasn't in Ivory's ear every week, like, hey, man, I think I should be closing. <laughs> you know, I didn't, I didn't do that. I was like, you know, I'm just going to accept my role and um, be content with that and just continue. At that time, I was, you know, being patient. You know, I wasn't impatient. Right. You know, about the situation. It was all the, the people outside the scenes that I was, that was feeding into that, that, you know, ended up making it bigger than what it really was. But between me and Mike, me and Mike didn't, you know, we never had any, How was it, uh, I guess, how was it uh, dealing with, because I know it can be a bit a bit challenging depending on who's on the mic with you, because neither one of you were much talkers early on in your career. Yeah, not um, at all. So, <laughs> I, yeah. I, that's something know, that we it, fought it, with. It's, it's weird how that works, because it's like, you you can play music in front of five, six, seven hundred people, mm-hmm. but that to me, that takes a special, special talent to be able to do music. And yeah, and that's the thing about it that you know complements each other mm-hmm. is if you can have somebody that can DJ and then have somebody that can be on the microphone like Q and T Roy or Ivory and, and and Mike, you know I didn't really have that. Well, I love I love T I love T Roy, but he's more of an MC than a DJ because. Yeah, I've watched him. I've watched him DJ. He's probably gonna be mad at me and be like, "Oh, Brandon talking shit about me." Like T Roy wasn't that great a DJ, but. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I was saying like on the mic, you know, with four yeah. five DJ, he was on the microphone. Right, they right. had the, the competition now with four five. Four five just had that gift. Yeah, he had to get the jab and he could DJ. He, he yeah. could do that. I couldn't do that. You know, I couldn't talk on the microphone and try to DJ at the same time. I just that you know, if you got it, you got it. And I just right. I wasn't gonna sit here and try to be somebody. I wasn't in fight trying to be that. So I, I never, you know, every now and then I get on there, but. It just wasn't my niche, and so I just I stayed in my lane when it came to that. 
right. So who, but, did, who you would know. you? What would you say it was like dealing with Ivory? Because Ivory can be a bit controlling when he gets up there and he gets on that mic, and he will he will control the turntables even without being the DJ. So what was yeah. it like? Did you ever experience some challenges um, in working with? working with uh, Ivory, and was there somebody that you preferred more at that period of time to be on the mic with, as opposed to him, if that wasn't the best, you know, interaction for you? Yeah, I think with Ivory at that time, I think he preferred to be on late. I mean, it's his show. I mean, yeah, he he, he made 151. You know, he promoted 151. That was his product, and he, he built him. Mm-hmm. So I didn't think he really wanted to be on the mic early. I mean, he would do it in certain situations when it was needed. But, you know, he had, we, you know, Joe Croft was there mm-hmm. in the beginning. And then, uh, you know, honestly, and I, and I left this person out, but, uh, you know, Jit was, uh, you know, he was a part of the house party that we, you know, that I, I threw at times and, and so forth. But um, I don't know. I don't know if Jit really wanted to really get involved like that is what I was. That's how I looked at it. I wanted him to because he was the one that I was more comfortable with and, and had done stuff with. Mm-hmm. But he kind of just kind of, you know, fell back. And, of course, I think back then looking now, it's like he wanted to have his own, you know, craft and his own lane and do his own thing. And right. that's what I was, that's what I proceeded to start to see now looking back that he didn't want to, it didn't want to be a partnership thing. It was more like, you know, he wanted to do his, his thing too. So, you know, I, I never really got, that's the one thing that I like, that I'm frustrated is I never really had a, 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 a an entertainer on the microphone that really was, you know, just, you know, that. But like I said, Joe Crump was there and, you know, he would be on the early set. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Ivory, yeah, he's control, he, he can be controlling he's on the mic. He has a lot he wants to say. He, he's, he's, there's things that he's already wanting to do. And so there's, and I think at the, uh, yeah, we bumped heads, and I and I might have had a vision of what I wanted to do, and he would have a vision of what he wanted to do. Right. And it's his company, and it's you know his night. So it's like, yeah, sometimes that would frustrate me, and it might get me out of sync of what I was trying to do. Mm-hmm. But it didn't like you know over you know go overboard a lot. But I was like, you know what? Let me just walk out the booth. I never did nothing like that. <laughs> I just whatever you want to do, I just would go ahead and do it. So it was kind of a learning thing, but. You know, I don't think it was like some sabotage thing where I'm gonna mess up his night and get him irritated or nothing like that. But right. so yeah, I think. But I think he had, and I, I think he was already learning stuff from other, you know, mic men and, and things of that nature. So you know, he was just trying to put that into work. Mm-hmm. But so yeah, with, with with Joe or you know even with Jit, see Jit would just get on the mic and I would just do my thing and he would follow me. Like with Ivory, it's kind of like fifty fifty or if not sixty forty. You're gonna predominantly more what I want to do or if we're not going to meet me halfway we're going to do it this way but and I don't think like overall it was a, a major deal but we didn't really get to work together like that you know what I mean mm-hmm. if like I said I did close he would be and I, so from what I remember everything went good you know nothing you know but were you working with did you end up working <laughs> with Bird at this point or was Bird later on like when we get to talking about Aqua I don't remember Bird was also, he was in Melrose, um, and I think, like you said, because I, I listened to his, you know, podcast or his, his segment, you know, he did, he, that's when I, you know, I got those, uh, CD, uh, techniques, and he would come over and he would mess with, mess around with them, and then, of course, he would start coming up to the club with me, help me carry my stuff in, and, you know, mm-hmm. eventually, he, it fell into a position to where he could get on the microphone, and so he, uh, 
you know, and I did little side parties and stuff, whether it was uh, for Kappa, Kappa Cruise, I think, I think, I'm sure Carlton came with Kappa Cruise, and I think Bird did too. But I was just doing stuff with different frats and, you know, stuff like that. So he was shadowing through those things as well. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so he ended up getting a, 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 a mic position, you know, and, and getting to work. And right. like you said, he was in college, so he wasn't really, as you say with me, I don't think he thought it would get to where he is now. Right. But, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where just kind of went with the flow of things and just, you know, whatever happens, happens. And so that's, you know, like I knew Bird played basketball at SCJ. And he, like I said, he played in Melrose, and my apartment was right there by the basketball court. So I see, you know, I, so I knew Bird and, and see him all the time. So that's how we met, and um, and so that's how that, that that all took place at the Roxy as well before Aqua. So yeah, I knew him at, at the Roxy as well. Okay, so um, right around this this point, I guess is where we start to collide. Like I said, I showed up and I came back from Tallahassee in the fall of '05. I'm not sure where I first meet you. Do you remember where we first meet? I know that you asked Mike that same question, and I'll be honest with you, I don't remember. Um, I'm gonna guess and think that it was when I was in the R&B room. Is when I, because I know you were at, you obviously were at the Roxy, mm-hmm. but I don't remember. I don't, a lot of <laughs> I don't remember at the Roxy. So I mean, uh, but uh, me and you I, both. I, <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's uh, my, my my first. You know, where I can remember would be when I had the R&B room in the Lever Lounge. I okay. think that's the first thing, that's the first, you know, recollection I have of, 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 of meeting you was that at that point. I think that was probably 06, but I'm saying, like, obviously you were at the Roxy, I was at the Roxy, but I don't remember, you know, like I'm DJing or, you know, who mm-hmm. knows what I was doing in, in that club at that time, but, you know, so... So yeah, I don't really have a definitive um, time other than, like I said, when I was in the R&B room when we first met. Right. And then right around that same time, like a new blood kicks off and things like that. Do you have any initial, before you you started doing business with us, do you have any initial uh, recognition as far as uh, remembering what we were like in the early stages uh, of you getting to know us as an organization? I mean, I knew y'all did flyers in the street, uh, you know, and white boy, and um, so I, I, you know, it's a vague, you know, it's it's a long time ago now. Right. So it's like, you know, it's it's a lot of those, you know, memories and images and stuff from that back then are so, you know, faded out. I guess that's what you want to say. But right. so, uh, you know, I, I knew y'all were street promoters and, and heavy with the flyers and things like that, but. Um, you know, obviously at that time I didn't you know, have any kind of, you know, plans of, you know, manager and none of that kind of thing. So it's like, you know, just like with any other, you know, companies or whatnot, you know, you just, you see them, you see them and, you know, speak and whatnot. But, you know, so that's, you know, pretty much all I can remember, you know, when it came to new, but at that, you know, from, you know, looking back now. Right. So we get, we get to the point to where... Uh, I guess Roxy hits its apex. It's doing crazy numbers. I know that we're in the venue all the time. It, it, the Roxy, and a lot of people don't recognize this, and we talked about this a little bit on 151's episode. The Roxy is a is a culture shift. It's kind of where the the regular nightclub meets 
those folks that attend places like UNF and JU because at one point, really, you know, around your time when you were in school, you know, the the two didn't really meet much. You know what I'm saying? Maybe T-Birds is the first place that they start kind of crossing paths. But right around this time is where you start seeing that culture shift of what they call the locals start mixing with the college students. And it creates this like huge environment where you see numbers at nightclubs that nobody had seen before. So I guess um, I guess what is it like living in that experience for you as things end up coming into a situation where it's like, okay, uh, this venue is going to shut down. We're not exactly sure where we're going next. And then finding out that it's the real thing, which is, I guess, kind of where you really start getting your claim to fame. What's that whole process like for you? Walk me through that. Well, I mean, we talking about when the Roxy shut down. Yeah, like as Roxy shuts down, it, it hits its apex. It's but it, you end up finding out finding out that the Roxy is going to shut down. You guys end up moving to the real thing, and then lo and behold, the explosion becomes even bigger with the real thing. Talk a little bit through that process. Yeah, I think at that time, if I remember correctly, Friday night was going out. I was DJing, mm-hmm. and I want to say that Rain had opened up. So mm-hmm. I know that you know. Mike had Roxy on Friday, and then Saturday night they had rain. Right. So even though, even though Roxy had shut down, you know he had a he had a night, so he was still working. Right. Me on the other hand, Friday was the only that I was working, so I was out of a job for a couple weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't have anything going on other than you know something was booked. So you know, actually, you know, I have the actual DVD footage of that last night of the Roxy because it shut down on my birthday. Oh um, wow. That was 2007, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so. You know, it's kind of. No, like, I think that was I think that was oh six because oh seven and oh eight are when we did the melages for your. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, my, yeah, okay, oh six. So, um, you know, so you know, birthday, you know, shut down, and so it's like, what's next? And you know, it's like at that time, you know, and like looking back now, it's like I really didn't, I didn't, I didn't have a vision for D money. It was like I, I just was riding the wave. I guess mm-hmm. is what you want to call it, right? Um, the company. Um, and not really, I didn't have any plans, you know, I didn't make any plans. I wasn't, you know, thinking ahead, thinking outside the box. It's just like, whatever venue we in, that's where we at. And I, was, I guess you want to say I was content with it. But right. I wasn't really making any plans for D-Money. What if something happens at Point Blank? Or what if something, what if this club shuts down? What is, where is D-Money going to go? So I didn't really have a vision or direction at that time. So it's kind of like, whatever was going on, it's kind of like, you know, it is give or take, you know, all you know, all or nothing. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, uh, I was in the real thing for a little while but I wasn't in there a, a whole lot because um even at that time, you know, things were getting shifted around and things were, you know, changing. Um, I think four or five was coming more into the picture. Because right. it was B B E T and stuff. So, um the real team I was I was in the real team but I wasn't really in there like that. Like not like the Roxy. Okay. Um, and that's kind of like where I guess there was a, the friction, or as you were stating in the in the other podcast, beef and, and things like that. But <laughs> so it's kind of like the you know I was getting frustrated because you know that was the time I think we're we're we're, we're creeping up on when I was becoming a father, mm-hmm. and uh, so and I actually had a job I was working at Bell South, so you know DJ wasn't, and uh, if I'm correct, you know I ended up. You know, pretty much, I guess you could pretty much say, I was like, man, you know, the heck with Bell South, it's all about DJing. Right. 
And now looking back, I, that was that was a stupid decision to do that. You know, to think that you know I was that busy and, and had enough, that kind of you know income coming in that I could sit here and just walk away from a job that's not going anywhere and focus on DJ. And I ended up not being a wise decision, but you yeah. know, lesson learned. But uh, so yeah, the, the real thing, honestly, I wasn't really in there. You know, I was in there. But I wasn't in there, not like on, on mainstream level. Cause like I said, it was, it was 151. Um, Bird was in the mix at that time, too. And then because Bird ended up being on the mic more with uh, with, with Mike at that time and right. then the real team. So I would be more outside or he was kind of more behind the scenes, kind of letting them create their, that's when he uh, was, their craft and, and, and style. So that's when he, I think he was trying to do the, I think that's when right around the time when he starts trying to get back into rapping. And so he's trying to, and we talked about this a little bit, trying to uh, create an avenue to where, okay, those people around him that say they want opportunities can take on those opportunities so that he can step back and focus more mm-hmm. on the music. And, right. you know, unfortunately, there, there are a bunch of circumstances that, that cause that not to happen. So yeah. you say that you weren't really in the real thing uh, that much. I recognize you for being in the real thing a lot. And I recognize you also from when we started the globe because i did the i did the initial street promotion for ivory for what was the globe which eventually became aqua um i know that you're that you're in those venues and this is around the time where we start doing business together do you have any kind of direct recollection of okay this is where we chopped it up to the point of where it was like okay we're gonna sit down and we're gonna be we're gonna do some sort of business partnership together because i don't really remember when that comes about or how it comes about either. So you you said like the Roxy shutdown was oh six. It had to be oh six because the main okay. the two main lodges were um, like seven and eight. So I'm okay. So it was July of oh six. So then from July, I think maybe two weeks later, we're in the real team. So I'll say I was in the real team August September, August through probably January. Okay. So that's probably where we started building a relationship, and then during that time is when. Uh, 151 was in rain mm-hmm. and then they decided to open up Leper Lounge and, and Ivory got me to be the DJ in there to do the R&B room so that, mm-hmm. I think that's where we ended up coming to uh, a full circle as yeah, far as because uh, we were working with went. we were working with Tom all the time so yeah right so you, I think we probably built that relationship we were coming probably more full circle to real team during from August to January and then when I started doing the R&B room you know, I remember that's why I remember seeing you more at, the, at, at that time. So that's probably when we became more full circle. Right. And um, in January, that's when I got pulled from working at the real team. wasn't per- it wasn't a personal thing; just money wasn't right, I guess. And you know, it was a decision they just had to make. And so I, I wasn't. But did you take that personal there. at that point? Tell yeah, the truth. I, I did because I remember I, I could tell you exactly where I was at. I was right. I was just I, cause I just left my apartment so off of university. I was heading actually I think I might have been I was heading across the Hart Hart's Bridge and uh, I recalled me and told me that I wasn't gonna be I think it was that it was either that night or the next night. It was either he called me on a Thursday or Friday mm-hmm. and told me that, you know, I wasn't gonna be DJ and I and this is, you know, like back to back. Like I lost my job. And then now I lost this job. Mm-hmm. So it was like, so yeah, to a degree, I did take it personal. Like, you know, it was like, and I think, you know, from listening, you know, to the podcast, I think it was just, it just boiled down to communication. Right. We, if I could go back and do it again, I, I just thought we didn't have a, we didn't have a bad relationship. We just didn't have 
I mean, his door was always open, just like you said. Anytime you know you need somewhere to sleep, I, I, I wouldn't even hesitate to, to not believe that. But like you know him, you know being on the Xbox, PlayStation, playing Madden, so like I never went over there and did all, none of that stuff, even though I like to play it. But we just never had a, uh, we just never built a friendship, I guess. So it was kind of mm-hmm. like we were, I guess, some kind of you know stra- we were strangers. At, at the same time, we were cool with each other. Right. I know he had my back and stuff, but I guess when that happened, I just felt like you know, dang. You know, now what? So that's kind of, I think, where you came into the picture. Like, it's kind of like a, a show and prove type of thing. Like, and so, I, you know, I did take a person. I was like, you know, and so that's, you know, what led to me, you know, getting a manager and yourself and um, and going in that direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, I just think it really boiled down to communication. You know, I didn't like the word beef. I don't have beef with Ivory. Um you know, it was none of that. It's just more of a competitive thing. Like, you know, I wanted a piece of the pie too, but I think also I was just immature to a degree as far as at that age time, like being patient and waiting for that time. Like with Bird, right. Bird just was, he just came in there and just did whatever. Mm-hmm. And things just opened up, like probably like when I think during the Bourbon Street time and, um, you know, you know, in that time frame, you know, everything just folded out because I pulled out. And so that opened the door for, for Bird. And so it was like, I guess I just got impatient and just got frustrated. And it ended up, you know, just being the wrong time for me to get to that point because it was like, maybe that would have been my break. And, you know, but we'll never know that now. So it's like, right. but it's, you know, it's just a learning experience. You know, you just, you go through that um, so I gotta, in life. I got to ask you a question. Do you feel like, so we end up doing business together, and I think primarily what you brought me on for is is to kind of communicate with, you know, the schools and things like that for things like prom, stuff like that, but also interacting a little bit more with Ivory as it related to, you know, stuff with you. There might be times where Ivory might call to see if I had you booked somewhere else or something like that. Do you feel like bringing me on, hindsight being 2020, looking back on it now, do you feel like me kind of being that middleman for some of that stuff maybe caused a bit more of a divide because Iber says that it, you know there were no issues. You know that that's what he said on on the podcast from his point of view. Do you feel like that that created some sort of divide uh, in your relationship with him by having me in there? And do you feel like there was some negative energy towards me and or us in doing these things over here? You know these other these other things that we were doing as opposed to going to the camp that essentially made us both, you know, because I, I mean, me being 33 now, I can look back at it and say, okay, you know, point blank is responsible for a lot of my success. Um, you know, I didn't want to say that then, you know, 10, 11 years ago, because I was young and arrogant and passionate about my brand and my name and all that kind of stuff. But do you feel like, uh, our unwillingness to kind of just kind of go along with the flow of the point blank movement and, and kind of doing these things off on the side and sometimes in competition with, even though Ivory says he doesn't even view competition, um, do you feel like that maybe created some sort of divide between us as far as our relationship with, with the rest of the crew? I mean, I think it, it probably did. I mean, it's like I see this man every week, you know, in meetings and stuff, and now all of a sudden he's got to go to somebody else to get to me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like as if I think I'm on some other level or some, you know, mega star or something. So, you know, like I say, the, the key word in me and I really said it to each other before is communication. And I think that, that, that be 
get there, and I felt like I had, you know, did my time, and and, and it was like, you know, opportunities came about, and, you know, I just kept getting, I don't want to say overlooked, but it was like, you know, I don't know if it was, they didn't, if it was a confidence thing, or they just didn't, did they get a job done? I don't, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, and like I say, I have a son that's, you know, on the way. And, you know, so it's just a lot of pressure. Like, you know, life is about to change. You know, it's not about me no more. And um, so, yeah, I took a lot of that all in the bigger picture, and you know, on a personal level. So I, I, I think to a degree, yeah, I guess, you know, I, I made the decision that I made. You know, I needed, you know, someone that, you know, could help me on a professional basis that would, cause was going to give me the attention. Just like, you know, like Ivory's, you know, putting all his value and his loyalty to to 151. So I, I wanted the same thing right. that I was getting. So it was like, you know, you came into the picture and we, you know, made those plans and things. And I don't, you know, y'all's communication and relationship was, uh, you know, you know, rocky. <laughs> I guess you say the same thing. So I don't. I think that didn't make any 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 situation any better. Right. But um, you know, uh, I, like I say. For me, I'll be mad to say I just I think I just handle things more in an immature manner as far as from a business standpoint. Like I say, I'm I'm getting to a business and into a career, you know, that I didn't even ever expect or plan. So like I didn't really have a vision, and I think because I didn't have a vision for D Money, I didn't have a plan for D Money is why it ended up you know being the way it was because you know as every you know competition you know you got to evolve every every quit immediately like I mean in just a matter of weeks your club might be gone right. so there's a lot of you know a lot and of things and, and, we, and we went and we went through that too <laughs> yeah so I mean it, it's a, it's a, it, it was a stressful it, I mean to me for me it was stressful because it's like you know I know it has to be promoted because you, you constantly got to be on your grind I mean your club night could be gone that's why it's good to be in control of your situation right you know, where you, you call the shots because if you got somebody else doing it, you know, calling the shots, or you just would, because you can be easily replaced. Right. You know, it's a, it's a business where you can be easily replaced even if you are somebody that works for, for, for the radio station, BET, you know, whatever level you're on, and you can easily be replaced. I mean, it's like, it's just, and I think, I think Bird talked about that with, uh, I think four or five, and he's working for, um, you know, he works for BET for the radio station, and he brings in an X amount of, you know, people to the club. And then, um, mm-hmm. you know, you got this other DJ that might not be that great, but he's drawing in like seven, eight hundred people. Well, who right. are you gonna go with? Right. You know, so I mean, sometimes it ain't about about the name, or it's just about who's being the draw. So I mean, it's like, like I say, you can easily be replaced in this business just like that. So it's like you got to be way ahead of the game, and just you know, have that vision. And um, that, those are things that I just was not maturing and just wasn't, you know, like I say, it all happened so fast mm-hmm. that it's like you just, you didn't have time to do, for me, I didn't have time to even, wasn't even thinking like that. But right. it did start coming to that, that light bulb click when I knew I was going to have a child. I'm like, whoa, you know, like, what about, what's, what's going to happen now? Right. You know, so it was like, you know, a lot of things just happened at that time that just evolved, maybe, you know, maybe made, me make decisions and choices but nothing that I regret you know I mean we did a lot of things a lot of great things mm-hmm. but it's um I like I say really you can just boil it down to one word just communication right um uh, and I, I, we just didn't have that and so that's why we we had all the 
those issues. We yeah. So yeah. talk to me a little bit about what it was like in 2006, 2007 when we start when new you start working directly with New Blood Entertainment from a management perspective. What is that business relationship like for you? Did you was it a positive experience? What was it like dealing with us cuz I know me, Damon, Toya could be me, Candace, Kendall, all of us. Like you you got an opportunity to see our crew from the inside. What was it like in inside our crew, and what was it like working with the New Blood Entertainment? I mean, it it was it was different, you know. I mean, um, it was it's kind of like you've been at one company your whole life, and then you go to a different one. So it was it, it, it was just a different different environment, different thing. It's kind of like you know, to a degree, you know, surreal. Like, is this really you know going on? But you know, it was. Um, you know, I mean, I, it's nothing negative. I, I definitely say there's nothing negative about it. You know, what I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it just uh, it was it just something when you're used to a certain thing, a certain formula, and then you're going to something else. So it was, you know, it was different. But you know, like I said, nothing ne- nothing negative at all about it. You know, it was a uh, a great experience. Uh, you know, like I say, I don't have no regrets about any of the decisions that I made um, as far as you know management and. and, and changing direction and things like that it's just kind of like you know like I say just things things happen but um you know we you know, like with the May launches and and the various uh parties and stuff that you put together I mean you were just trying to you know you I became a product and you, and you were selling me to to build you not just your your brand and your name but you know you're building me as well and we're just we're, we're going up that that hill at the same time so we're just trying to you know you know, be successful and, and make something of ourselves at the same time. So, so what was it like? What was it like that? I, do you remember the organizing of the May Lodge and how how that came to be? Because much, much like a lot of things, I don't remember all of it. I just know that the uh, event goes off. <laughs> I, I don't. Honestly, I remember you came. I don't know if I saw the word. I think I said May Land. I ain't, I've never even heard this word before. I'm like, is anybody going to know what this is? So I was like, you know, even though I was like, yeah, cool, let's do it. I'm like, what is, you know, is this even going to work? So I was like, well, hey, why not? Right. And uh, so, you know, so yeah, that was the first for me when it came to that because I never even heard of it, didn't even know what it was or anything. So, right. um, but, you know, it was cool. I mean, it was good to, you know, have party and you throw it and people come out you know all these people come out and support you like that so that was a a cool humbling thing to experience and that was what was so cool about it was that for those of you who don't know what the melange was it was it was probably one of the first times and other people have bit the idea and called it something else since then but um you know, it was a situation to where we brought in, what was it, like six DJs and everybody had like 30, yep. 45 minutes or something like that. And they just come yep. out and rip that shit for your birthday. You know what I'm saying? And it, and it was, I mean, it was King Ron, it was Q45, it was Kool-Aid. And that was the other cool part is it wasn't just it wasn't just people who vibe with New Blood. It wasn't just Point Blank Entertainment people. We had the run-ins who everybody knew I had certain issues with the run-ins, but the run-ins was out there. So you got the runners, you got PLO and CT, you got uh, you got Kool Aid out there, you got uh, you got Point Blank Entertainment, you got Rick Rude and Rude Boy DJs. Shout out to Rick Rude, he's been on the Facebook Live uh, commenting and stuff like that. He wanted to big you up for being the first one to put him in his uh, in an adult club. So 
Um, shout out to Rick Rude. Oh yeah, what's up, Rick? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah, that, that that shows so much love and how much people respect you because I think that for a lot of a lot of people, you're you're their first person that that they get an opportunity to experience because we don't talk about it much, but you do have an impact on the team market and things like that as well. So I guess my question to you is: Is do you also because Ivory did bring up this point too? Did you feel like Ivory was kind of uh, putting you in a box, if you will, saying, okay, when I got hood stuff or when I got team venues, we'll put you over here and wasn't showcasing you. And is that also part of the reason why you started to gravitate towards New Blood Entertainment? Because you knew you'd get that college visibility, giving you a more mature market that you weren't getting from doing business with Ivory. Did that in part play play some of what happened as well? Yeah, and see, that's why I say I go back to being immature or not. He had a vision, and I didn't. See, he's trying to he try he tried to put me at the team market because he was looking at like the right now. Like those teams back then, those are in these clubs right now, whether it's pure, um, sweet or right. you know, whatever other club. I mean, honestly I'm so out of loop, I don't even know what clubs are, are around because when I walked away in thirteen it's like, you know, I'm a Jedi. I went off into some cave <laughs> and I've just been in hiding and now here I am, you know, it's like so I don't really even know what's going on now, but I know that, that age group back then that he wanted me to be DJing for is the group that's here now. Mm-hmm. So his vision was, was trying to, he, he, at least this is what I would say, I'm thinking now that he was trying to establish a following for me back then that I was just getting stubborn to because I, 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 I didn't really want to DJ for teams. Like the music and the levels that I was on just was, I didn't want to DJ for that. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know, he, I think he was trying to get me in that team market for preparing me for, for the long term, like longevity, mm-hmm. not looking at the right now. And I was looking at the right now and at that moment. And so, you know, I made, like I say, I think that, you know, that was, uh, you know, looking back now, I wish I would have probably stayed on to that. Maybe if it, somebody would have said, hey, look, this is what we're looking at. I'm looking at longevity. I want this crowd to be following you in 10 to 15 years, not... Now, don't worry about this crowd now, because this crowd now, like they're they're forties, forty five, fifty years old now. So I mean, you know, we're we're getting up there, but you know, so I, I wasn't looking at the big picture. I don't. I think at that time, it was like I didn't really care about the teams. Like I'm not saying I didn't care about them, but it's like I just did, I didn't want to do that. But I wanted to be with my age, or you know, in that bracket. It's right. like you know, you know. So that's with that. That's. That's how I look at it now. Looking back, if I had, to, if I could make it a a different, you know, choice and decision, you know, is it probably be more true to that and just take the other opportunities when they present themselves. Right. So, for for our business relationship, obviously we were successful. You did a lot of work uh, doing proms and things like that. So you still did end up touching that team market. Um, even in the situation where you weren't working as actively with Point Blank when you were doing stuff with us, you still got a couple of looks in there in Aqua and places like that from time to time. But the main crux of what we did was was college nights and things like that. So you got an opportunity to DJ at JU. You got an opportunity to DJ at UNF. And I think probably for people of my generation, the most notable event that we ever did outside of the Melage events is uh, is that Kappa party that we did at UNF to close out the boathouse. You remember that one? Yeah, I remember that. Talk a little that bit was, about uh, that one. Did T-Roy come out there too? Uh, T-Roy, was, that, that T-Roy was supposed to host. 
He hosted the first night, and remember the first night yeah, was terrible. We had, right. no, yeah. we had no one yeah. come out. He didn't come out for the second one, and we did Noob Seduction. Okay. That was with the Kappas. Right. Talk okay. a little bit about about that night and what it was like. Yeah, because I remember that that week before. Now that you said that, I remember it didn't turn out that great. So yeah, even in my, I was kind of like, man, you know, hope we have a good, you know, good turnout. So it was it was great for that to happen, and just for like what you said, to shut shut the boats out down. That was, you know, <laughs> a classic classic thing to know you're a part of, and and so, but you just hate that that happens. Like right when you think you might be on the cusp of of having something generate then this happens and it's like now what so right. you know it was a good night but, though we we ended up having yeah. a having a line out the door and around the corner and up the yeah. <laughs> it was it was bananas we had people pay a hundred dollars to get into the boathouse it was yeah you just you just say like now what if that wasn't shut down and that would have continued on like what would that have led to right. you know exactly. what, what could have generated from that but you know it's just how that's like i said that's how things go you know just when you think you got something going Boom, you know, just like that in a matter of something stupid happening in the club or whatever that's out of your hands, mm-hmm. you know. So the, the last the last thing that we end up doing before New Blood Entertainment ends up having to basically uh, dissolve itself is it was in April of Kelly. Was that April of, of 08? Yeah, it must have been April of 08 when we took a series of really bad deals. Um no, nothing personal, but got to tell the truth. It was a business deal that we did with Derek Washington. Um, I think right around this time, there had something had happened with uh, Realtain, where Realtain was shut down for a period of time. So it was a great opportunity for us to take from that standpoint because the crowd wasn't doing anything on Friday nights. So we took it on a Friday night thinking that we might be able to you know, break into the market. Only problem is it was a terrible business deal that we did with Levi Jordan and with Derek Washington where the venue didn't have the venue's AC goes out. Um, the venue has issues with its liquor license and a, a variety of a variety of issues. And we tried to push through. Unfortunately, there was no way to push through that and be able to survive. And in turn, damaged the New Blood Entertainment name so badly that we ended up dissolving the company. And the company ended up coming back as Watts LLC, which was what we were already doing business as out of um, out of Tallahassee. So. We end up doing that, and in the process of doing that, you you continuing to evolve. You're still doing all of these different uh, all these different venues and things like that. But I think that there there comes a point. I want to say not too long after I graduate, where you know we start DJing, doing something that we weren't doing before. We start DJing in strip clubs because quick, easy money. How do we how do we get to the strip club situation and what was that experience like for you? Because obviously, again, all of this has happened so fast over the course of a four or five year period for you, you know, from going from never really being in clubs like that to being in the club all the time to now going into what most would consider a far more seedy type of venue in night in uh, strip clubs. What is that environment like for you? Do you gain anything positive from it? What are the negatives from it? So on and so forth. Um, I think at that time, um, you know, I think I think my son was probably about a year, and um, like you know, like you said, you know, I wasn't really in any clubs like that. I don't think at that time. Um, I think the R and B room ended up. I think they ended up just making it a regular club room, and I think mm-hmm. somebody else came and I can't remember the runners. But um, the runners came. Yeah, in. okay. Was it okay? And um. 
think everything was at at plus at that time. If I'm correct, like, yeah. I, you know. Mm. So it's like you know, I wasn't there on Fridays and Saturdays, um, and I wasn't. I think it was hit or miss if they had some kind of a reason to open up the uh, Latin room. I think Aqua they would bring bring me over there and open and do that room. But mm-hmm. other than that, I wasn't really doing anything. So I can't honestly remember how or who got us to go into the, the strip clubs. But, you know, yeah, that happened. Um, you know, I don't want to, <laughs> you know, I don't know who's listening. But for me, you know, it was just like that opened up too many doors for me. And, you know, it's just, uh, you know, I don't I want to say it was a desperation thing like I went in there because I couldn't find nothing else. But, you know, you, obviously, you know, DJs make money in, in that environment. But um, for me, it just opened up other other doors that uh damon, you know damon wrote in capital letters harley's on facebook live <laughs> yeah actually yeah i think it might have been i think what actually you know what um fireman jason and the fireman okay. dj fireman i DJ. think they used to call me and fill in for them and okay. i think i ended up meeting one of the girls at that club and she, and she worked at at the, the um the club over on um mcduff was it rain that's how I, huh was it rain no, I, um, man, I can't think of the name right now. Um, oh, okay. But so yeah, no, it wasn't, it wasn't her. Mm-hmm. But um, so that yeah, that's how that's how we got over there, and um, you know, and then it kind of just went from there. But you know, um, you know, for me, I it just it just it ain't for me. Um, you know, you got to know your lines you can cross, and that just that environment for me just you know, right. And it, it didn't work out. And it and it's because of all of that. And there's obviously some tension that starts to transpire. I think money was a little tight for you. Yeah. Things like that. And there there ended up being a situation where we started splitting venues. So we're DJing at what was called the Pink Pony at that point. And then you're DJing at another strip club. You would hand off to me because Cap had because uh, this is at that point where Cap was really involved in what we were doing, um, in a very deep way. Jit's gone. Um and and, and so, just and just to touch on this man because we haven't really got on that yet, and, you know, and it's not and nothing against anybody else in in the in the business, you know, because I, pre, I it was definitely like I say I I ever gave him my first you know opportunity, so it's always appreciation for him for that at that time, you know, he's the one that gave me the the chance to become a DJ by putting me in that position inside of Plush, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, Cap, he was the first like. He was loyal. Right. That, I, mean, 100%. I say cap, I say I think loyal. Right. You know, he, he, nobody else, like with him, we split everything. Like, right. everything. Right. It didn't matter what it was, we split everything. And he was the first person. He's probably what I was probably envisioning with Jit, but it wasn't, it wasn't like that with Jit. Like, but me and Cap split everything. And he was loyal. I mean, he, his, his son was born at the same two weeks apart. I think me, him, and Roger were battling each other. He was going to come, his baby was going to come out first. I think Roger <laughs> came out first, then, then he caps, and then mine came last, I think. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, we created a bond and a friendship off the, you know, really off the rip at that time mm-hmm. because he came in the, in the, into the, in, into play at the same time. So, you know, we stayed in the same complex, and so we, we, we established a friendship, mm-hmm. and then we, we DJ together. Um, you know, I think it was a Lee High School proms. Um, we did A. Philip Randolph, um, and um, so it was like you know I know Rick Rube and, and, and um, 
Man, I can't even remember people's names now. It's crazy. Um, but, you know, we, we all, they, they were around. And so it was like, it, you know, Cat was just, he was that person that I was looking for. And in all those years, you know, finally had found that loyal partner. That wasn't just a DJ partner. He was a friend also. You know, we, right. we, we still talk to this day. And he's always checking up on me. I check up on him. And so, you know, he was a loyal partner. So I'm, I'm very appreciative to him because we ended up having, Probably more success, you know, not just, you know, just on a deed, but even, you know, financially, you know, from that point up to 2013. Right. You know, so. You had a situation with, with Cap where you guys yeah. were splitting the venues and then it got to a point to where it's like, okay, Brandon, just go over to the Pony, yeah. DJ over there during the week so that way we can recoup that money. There was a portion of it that I, w- that I could keep for myself, so I was doing that while working at State yeah. Farm. This is before I become a claims adjuster. And in February of 09, we have a falling out. Don't really remember what the falling out was about, but we I had think, one. What what happened? I think it was at uh, Kevin Waters at Palm Coast, a little function that they had out there or something. Mm-hmm. I think you were supposed to go with me because, I, like I say, at that time, I wasn't a mic man. I, at that time, I never was a mic man. So... I think the first time we did something out there, I think you were with me, mm-hmm. or I believe, so you were on the microphone, yeah. or so I can't. Yeah, I, I did. I, I did go. I, I did go to one. I did go to one. Yeah. So um, this is the second time, and I think it's the night of. You say you're not going, mm-hmm. and I'm like, what? You're not going? So and I was like, man, I, I just I'm not going to do this thing, and I, I'm not because I'm not just I'm not going to go talk on the mic. So I didn't. I didn't go. Mm-hmm. And they just didn't even have a DJ, you know, and I don't know if you were trying to tonight or the next night, but, you know, that that was that. You know, it was something I normally don't do is not show up, but, mm-hmm. you know, I was pretty pissed off. I was like, man, I ain't going. Mm-hmm. You know, I think my CDs might not have been really in the greatest condition, and I was like, you know, I'm going to need somebody to get a microphone in case something happens. And so, you know, I just, I didn't go. I don't, I don't remember what I did, but I know I didn't go. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, so, that's. You know, that's if that's where I think that's what what was the situation where that that happened with us. But yeah. you know, I don't, I don't, and I know probably you had some things going on too at that time. So you know, there might have been things, other things going on outside of the realm of music. That yeah, I had just or, I had just graduated from college, and in February was when I got the job as a claims adjuster. So they were bouncing me all over the country to do different things and stuff like that. But um, I probably. Uh, Probably, I'm, I'm keeping it all the way a buck. I probably was chasing tail behind a woman. <laughs> There's probably mean, a good chance. It was, it, was a night, it was the night of. I mean, I'm like literally about to get in the car and leave, and you're like, I, I ain't going. I can't come. Right. I'm like, what? You know. And so I was like, well, I ain't going. <laughs> you know. So and, and of course later on down the road, I told I ran to Kevin. Well, actually, I think we did business together again mm-hmm. at. Uh, I think the Puff Lounge, so that was Water Under the Bridge, and we, we mended that relationship from that that point. We actually laughed about it, so mm-hmm. it ended up being something permanent, like where, you know, he never did business with me again, so. Um, but, yeah, I think that was the situation that happened mm-hmm. that that I recall, so, I mean, but. All right, so what were you doing in that period of time? Because I don't think me and you started communicating again until probably – what, 10? Like, uh, moving into... Yeah, I mean, like I said, me and Cap, you know, me and him, we we're, we created uh, Superstar DJs. I think we tried to get everybody involved in it, like uh, 151 Bird, Rick Rude, 
Um, and probably that's probably the core that we were starting with, mm-hmm. pretty Ricky. Um, and I think we met one time, but I, it just never, I guess, it never ended up being what we wanted it to be or expected it to be. It just, you know, me and, you know, just been, most of it was me and Cat, you know, Rick Rude, they were always at the venues where we were at. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, they definitely, you know, stepping out. And um, that was when we, you know, Cap, you know, got that started and we, we did that. Um, but Cap, you know, for where he's at now, I mean, he's a different DJ than what he was back then. You know, I, you know, I, I had to ring it because he wasn't as business-minded about things back then. He was, you know, just just one narrow-minded. He just it was going to be like this or nothing. Right. You know, and I think uh, now where he's at now, it's, it's amazing to see that where he's at, where he's going with his career. I think all that back then, you know, helped help with where he's at right now. So it's like we, like I say, we, we did everything together. So there was never no questions, never no doubt. Like, dang, is he going to, like, if he if, if he was going to do something and somebody said that, you know, well, D, we don't want D-Money, for the most part, he didn't do it. Right. Because it was either going to be both of us or not. Or, Neither one of us. Right. So, uh, you know, um, but so that's what, you know, from, like I said, we, from 08 to 2013, you know, that's where, that's what we, you know, we, we that's what we were doing. But uh, I think we were in, you know, Aqua a couple times and stuff like that. Right. But at that time, I wasn't really even conversing or even doing anything with one. But it wasn't, like I said, it wasn't really trying to be perfect. I still supported, you know, Roger and, and, and all those guys, you know, but it was just like a, you know, dang, I should be in the mix, but, you know, it is what it is, and, right. you know, once you make a decision, you're going to stay true to it, so. So, we, um, you, and but, I, you and I had a situation where we don't speak for most of, the most of 2009. I started dating the, the young lady for the sake of the podcast. We we constantly refer to her as Delilah, like, from the book. I think you know what I'm talking about, the young lady I was dating in 1910. Uh-huh. Um, but, um, so, I'm dating Delilah at the time. We're I get to a point to where you and I end up communicating. We end up mending fences. We do a couple of events together. I think the last thing that we've ever actually done together was in June of 2010. That was at the the venue up the street from my townhouse um, over off of Beach Boulevard. That venue, that little small, uh, that little small venue. I forget what the name of it was, but we actually did one of the first shows for uh, for Young Trap. Um, so we, oh, okay. I was about to say, I don't remember that, but now right. it was in a shopping center, wasn't it? Right, like yeah, it was Walmart in a shopping center. Yeah, mm-hmm. across from where the okay. Roxy used to be. Man, I forgot all about that. Yeah. <laughs> so we we end up doing yeah. that, but then at that point, I mean, I don't want to say my career is on life support because I've kind of gone through different variations in my career. I've been different things as the years have gone on. Like now, I'm a podcaster, but, you know, I'm in a point where, you know, I'm in a transition point in my career as far as music and entertainment is concerned. And um, eventually, it's just a situation where we're we're still on good terms, but I'm just like not in the industry in the way I was before. And as you said, you yeah. move your career up until 2013, but I un- I do know and understand that there were some struggles and some challenges there. Delvin, I'm gonna leave it up to you to talk as much about this stuff as you want to talk about because there's always been rumors and innuendos about. You know, you going MIA, you know, what made you stop DJing, you know, you know, different, different rumors and innuendos. Do you want to set the record straight on what happened, what's true, what's not, 
and, and kind of talk a little bit about how all of that stuff gets you to where you are today? Um, you know, like, you know, like I was just saying, you know, me and Cap, we, we create a lot of business. I mean, we, we had stepping out on Fridays. I think we did Fridays and Saturdays and we were, you know, packed every night for quite a while. Um, and then Jim's place came, Jim's place ended up being my favorite, favorite spot. I love Jim's place. Mm-hmm. We did that on Wednesday nights. Um, and we, you know, had a couple other nights, um, over at, like, bottom, bottoms up. So, like, we ended up having, like, a five, six-day-a-week schedule. So, financially, that was probably the best financially I was ever at, um, in my entire career. But at the same time, I wasn't really, it's kind of like one of the things where I was smiling and, you know, you thought I was okay. But really inside, I was really frustrated and just, uh, stressed, depressed, whatever you want to say. Um, I just wasn't, I was I wasn't happy, you know. It was like you know I was busy. I mean, this is what you wanted, you know. I'm DJing three, four, five, you know, high school proms from from Lee to A. Philip Randolph. Uh, we did Reball. We did um, Jefferson Davis Middle. We did um, Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Um, was, we did. A, we were we were busy. We stayed busy with whether it was in the club or the house parties or, or block parties or whatever you know, what you wanted, you know, but it was like, I don't know, it was, just, I, I, it was a stressful time, um, like I said, you know, from probably, oh, I would say from probably 2011 to 2013, you know, I wanted to really get out, but I didn't really know how to get out because of my loyalty to Cap and, and our partnership, you know, I just didn't want to, I just couldn't up the league because like we were hand in hand, right. you know, we're part. And there were times I think he wanted to probably get out too, and I was like, man, if he gets out, I'm getting out. And he would always say, man, if you stop, I'm stopping. Mm-hmm. And I think if he would have stopped, I definitely would have stopped. But I knew that he could go on if I if I left. You know that I got to that point where I felt like it's something. You know, if I did decide to say, man, this is it, I got to step out. I knew that he he would be all right mm-hmm. because he had relationships that I didn't have and. And I knew that he would continue to 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 use that, you know, the gifts that he had to continue on. But for me, you know, uh, everybody's got their their uh, you know things that they just the line that you just can't cross. And uh, I guess for me, you know, because I don't want to say for anybody, but I just felt like for me, for the environment, for me choosing to be in a strip club business. It just was a door that I, I just wish for me I would have never opened because it opened up other doors to other things that I just needed. I was naive to like, um, you know, I had put on Facebook on my old Facebook, you know, I put my testimony out there mm-hmm. uh, with getting, you know, with with drug addiction, but it wasn't just drugs, you know, it was women, you know. I, I had a, it just, you know, it was just, and what man doesn't have that problem, you know? It's it's, it's, it's every man's battle. You know, and mm-hmm. so being in that in that in that in that avenue and in that realm every single night, it just you know, it, like I say, it opened up doors that I never imagined for my life and for myself. So it was like, you know, it just got to the point where it, it consumed me, you know, whether it was women or and drugs, to the point where financially, you know, that's where all my money was going, mm-hmm. and um, it just. You know, we make stupid decisions. We all have, and that's the two things we got in life. You know, we all have choices and we all make decisions. You know, whether they're the, the right choice or the wrong choice, we all got choices in life. And so it's like for me, 
you know, I made some wrong choices and it ended up costing, you know, our partnership because, you know, it happened exactly when we were at Jen's place, matter of fact. And so, like, you know, I'm not going to go into specifics, but, you know, it, it affected not just me, it affected somebody else. And it could have damaged him and it affected his career. But, you know, I did what I had to do at that time to make sure that I, you know, at least show some kind of gratitude to that, you know, the way it ended, it just wasn't right. But, you know, I had to do the best thing that I had to do for me at that time and, and quit, you know, put my, let pride get the best of me. You know, it's like, you know, this is bigger than that. I had a son, you know, um, and it was, it was definitely without question, it would have killed me if I just continued to stay in that business because it's just, it's just for me, like I say, for me, because some people can do it. Right. But for me, it just wasn't the lifestyle I want to live anymore. And I just, the things that I used to do in the beginning process from 07, 06, 05 at the Roxy and just all the things that I supported and I was all for, it just all started hitting me. Like, I just, I didn't, I didn't want to be in it no more. I just didn't, I didn't, I didn't support it. You know, I didn't, I didn't. So it was like, I'm playing this music, but I'm really not there. So it's like, you know, it's just like, you know, why, you know, why? You know, I just, you know, I had many nights, you know, I was like, man, Lord, just, you know, Give me a way out of this. But, you know, and like I say, it consumed my life so much that, you know, I was going to end up being dead somewhere, you know, and and, and nobody's going to know because nobody had a clue. That's how, you know, even some of my best friends that I lived with, they had no clue. They included and they were around me every, every single day. Yeah. Uh, Cap didn't know. You know, Laron didn't know. Um, nobody knew. Rick Rude, none of that. Nobody knew. White Boy didn't know. And, you know, I was good at keeping it covered up. But I looked fine, you know, I, I, on my face. You know, you never thought there was anything wrong with me. But, um, you know, so it was a sign, and, that, and that's a silent sin, man. And that, and I just felt like that was a, you know, silent killer. It, it was gonna, you know, it was gonna destroy me. And um, so, you know, I had to. It was, it was a hard thing to do. At the same time, it was a lot of relief off of me because, you know, I just got tired of being out two, three, four o'clock in the morning, five o'clock in the morning. It became stressful, you know, and it's the inconsistency, you know, it's like, you know, you want to, you want to be a family man, you want to, you know, and, it, and it's like, you know, and, and it just, it was, it, it was a hard time. And when I came out about it, it, it brought a lot of relief to, to let people know, even my own family, mm-hmm. you know, I, they didn't know, nobody knew. And so, you know, it was a, it's a shock, probably still, I mean, even people that probably don't know this, this is the first time you're hearing this, you know, it's probably a shock to them. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, 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 it lifted a lot off me to finally get that out because even for me, I never would imagine that for me. You know, not this guy that grew up, you know, and that's just one thing that I learned. It don't matter the environment you grow up in or how you're raised. Um, drug doesn't have a name on it. Um, it's you, You're going to have a decision. You're going to have a choice in life, and you're either going to make the correct decision or you're going to make the wrong decision. I mean, I looked at the temporary pleasure at that time and you know that's what it's consumed with money drugs women that's what makes it go and you don't think about you know where it can take you at that time all you think about is the pleasure of that moment and so it's like you know i didn't i wasn't looking at the bigger picture and this perspective is being a father not just it's not about me no more it's it's about somebody else right and that that changed my whole perspective on it and I cried many nights trying to figure out, you know, I, I got to get out of this because, and it really goes back to I had a decision in 05, finished college, uh, finished anatomy and physiology, anatomy and physiology or DJ. And I chose to be a DJ and I quit school. Mm-hmm. But, you know, thankfully I'm back in school now, um, four classes away. I should, Lord willing, I'll be back at 
and I'm not in any way knocking that particular the music business or DJ business, you know, for anybody else because what can what works for somebody else might not work for me. I just I don't I don't want to say I don't support that. It's just for my life and for me, it just didn't mix anymore. And it's like you know I just didn't want to be a part of that lifestyle. I, I, and I wanted to, you know, make the, the necessary change that I had to make because it was destroying my life and taking everything from me, pretty much, you know. Um, and so, you know, it's uh, I can talk on this for you know a long time right, because, I we're, know, I know. like I said, I've been I've been absent for for years, right. and you know, I just immediately just left, and I, I literally have not been in the club since June of 2013. Right, and, and I mean, um, we, so it's like. We're both in the same in the same boat. Oddly enough, it's so funny that you mentioned drugs. I mean, we 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 both kind of were overtaken by drugs and alcohol, and, and you know, it yeah. ended up being the downfall of two what some people recognize as two very brilliant minds in the in the local Jacksonville industry. I mean, mine was mine was ecstasy, mine was marijuana, <laughs> mine was LSD. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah, you know, and you know, like drinking that. for me, like you know, and like drinking when, for both of us, yeah. And meetings, like you know, Ivory would tell her one fifty one, one fifty one. You can't drink. Mm. Be money, you can drink. Because I mean, when I drink, <laughs> I get better. One fifty one, no. But so, like, the more I DJ, the more I drink, and mm. so the more nights I got, the more I felt compelled that I got to get my drink. And I, I probably was the, the gateway to bring him out and bring in Drake in the club. I didn't, buy, I, I would bring my own bottles in the club. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was like it, it was taking over my life. Before I was drinking six, sometimes seven days a week. Yep. I, you know, I'm, I'm consuming boat. a lot of alcohol, and you know, so it, that weighed on my body. And you know, just being out all kinds of nights, hours every night, that weighs on your body. And then you know, like I say, you know, everything else, it, it just it was destroying my life. And you know, I don't, I'm not going to get into. You know my faith and stuff. You know I, you know, Christian and you know my beliefs and stuff. But it's like you know, for what I profess to be, it just, I just all that just it just didn't I like the, it just didn't it just didn't mix for me anymore. And it's like you know my love for that just you know I had I had to put my past to the side and think about for once have a vision for for somebody else that looks up to me and looks at me as if I'm the person that hang hung the, the moon and the stars and, and a sun. And, you know, he he was two, three, four at that time. So, you know, as he's eight and now he's 10, you know, a couple of years of being middle school, it's like, you know, it goes by fast. Right. And once he's grown, that's it. You can't go back and do it again. Right. And it's like, you know, I just want to be in a better place, something more stable, more consistent, um, and just be happy. Okay. You know what I mean? Well, so, you know, a lot of... Don't, I mean, I mean, a lot of this stuff is... I mean, it, it, it's it's the story of a lot of us, I think, as it relates to the music industry. And I respect you a lot for even, you know, me and you have had private talks, the gone more in depth and stuff like that. And, and that's not for the podcast. But, man, I just I want you to know that I'm proud of where you, where you are and what you've accomplished. Now, I don't want to hold you too much terribly longer because we've been here about an hour and a half. So I want to I want to hit a couple of high points, talk about a couple of people and have you briefly just kind of give what comes to mind in a quick summary of a, of a few people before I, before I let you go, okay? Yeah. All right. So first person, Damon Downer, white boy. Shoot, man. Um, he's probably nervous 
right now wondering what I'm about to say, but he he puts in a lot of time. He, You know, it's like one of those things. He was like one of those guys where, you know, you want to make it so you can give him what he's worth. Like, he, he put so many hard, dedicated hours into his time into, to, you know, with the sound and, and cables and hooking things up and, you know, he took a lot, man. He always be getting yelled at and, and just took a lot. He took and he would just take it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he, he he was dedicated, was loyal. I mean, committed. Um and just he would do anything for you. I mean, you could call last minute, you know, and there was a time where I had to pick him up, but you know, and, and I would, you know, and he was always there, man. And you know, I think sometimes it wasn't he wasn't appreciated enough, right. and you know, maybe probably he's probably putting so many he probably put so many hours that he never he never even got what he was really worth as far as from a financial standpoint that I wish I could have did for him. Mm-hmm. He he really did a lot, and I really was appreciative. And he's one of those guys that I still talk to. He he checks up on me, he texts me, and um, you know, so we still actually he came down here before we threw his job and came by the house and we we chatted up for a little while. So mm-hmm. it's cool to you know still stay in contact with some people. You know, but uh, a lot of people just didn't even know where I was at, so they just don't even didn't even know how to get in contact with me. But right. um, you know, but he, you know, yeah, he he was devoted, man. He, he just no matter what. I mean, we had our, our night, but we would let those go and just keep going forward. You know, but so he and you know, I think he's he's still doing it. You know, here and there, but I know he's got a good, you know, great job. And from where he was at now, you know, he came a long way. Pretty Ricky Stevens. Pretty Ricky? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, back then, you know, he was, at least, you know, I'm saying when I, when, when I was using that at Roxy, he, he had the team market on lock, you know. Um, we, uh, we, you know, did team events together and stuff like that. He's, uh, he had, and like I say, I think what, what, one thing I, I would take, if I could go back and do is, is, is have that that mindset and have that vision like he had and like what Ivory had and just uh, and looking in the in the future and he just he uh, he just had a love for it. I mean I had a love for it and a passion for it but I just wasn't I didn't have the vision side of it you know so um, and I know he's with you know he had Young Trap and um, he just he's an entertainer right. and uh, he he had he had a fan base. And he, they went wherever he went, and uh, you know, so nothing but respect for him. And we, we, you know, we were always cool. I, I never, and that's one thing about me. With any, I, I go back to that word. I, I really never didn't get along with anybody. I think I might have had some security guards that hated me at the Roxy, <laughs> but you know, for a time period. But for the most part, I didn't really have no no enemies or anything like that because I was quiet. I mean, I didn't get no reason for nobody to not like me. I, at least I thought. You know, people might not. You know, there might have been some people that didn't. You know, from what I look back, but you know. Okay. Vernon K. Johnson. Vernon K. Um, Ent. He uh. He's persistent. He uh, he stays on you. I mean, when he's got something, he's he's working on a product. A product. Um, he's you know constantly you know giving me those phone calls. You know, checking in, seeing if you you know he's you know like with his music with with uh, his brother. Um, you know, he uh, he always you know was very supportive of me. Um, and he he was straight up. 
sugarcoat nothing. He'd tell you, you know, exactly what was on his mind about, you know, it, anything, whether it was good or bad. You know, mm-hmm. he's just going to be honest about about everything. So, um, you know, he was always a great supporter of me. Um, and, you know, that's that's going back to the Black Hand days with, all, with the four different oh, companies. Oh, man, you know, the Black Hand. <laughs> yeah, so, um, but yeah, I love Vernon K. He's already supportive. He, he always is out supporting other people. You know, he had plans. I mean, sometimes it was mysterious. He didn't know what he was up to. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, he always came out supported. And, um, you know, so I'm you know, very appreciative of what he did, you know, in that time frame when I was, you know, DJing. Okay. Boss Hog. Boss Hog. You know, I guess you could probably say you were like, uh, like jumper cables. You know, you came in at a time where, <laughs> you know, Time just weren't looking good, and you kind of sparked things back up a little bit. Um, probably brought some spice into situations and stirred up things, <laughs> which probably was a good, I guess, could have been a good thing, and maybe it was a bad thing. But uh, I think you just, you know, you wanted, you had, you had a desire, you had a passion to uh, to succeed, and you would do anything necessary to do that, whether it was bumping heads or whatnot. You know, um, sometimes that can, you know, generate things to happen, but you know. Um, you know, great dude, um, and uh, you know, it was a privilege to do business with you at that time. Okay. Finally, last but not least, of course, and you knew this was coming, Ivory Ore. Huh. I mean, like you said, I like I said, there's no beef, was no beef, um, probably just more frustration, just you know, anger. Um, but I think, like at the end of the day, it just boiled down to communication. But um, He's business-minded. He, uh, his, 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 uh, his, his slogan is grinding. That's what he does. Um, he has a vision. Uh, he, he made point blank into what it is now and, and branched off into other avenues and doing other things and, uh, always would be appreciative of what that opportunity he gave me in 2005 and, uh, put me in a situation I never even thought for myself, you know, as far as DJing or being a part of a, uh, the number one promotional company in the city and being one of the top DJs in the city, that's something that there was a goal of mine, you know, just, but, um, he, uh, you know, he, he's, he's loyal. Right. You know, he's loyal too. Um, I think some people might not think he was or in certain degrees, but, you know, at the end of the day, his, his focus is his company and he's always trying to look out for the, the outcome and the, and the bigger picture. But his, you know, on a personal level, you know, he, you know, he was always a good friend. I just think for me, the regret that I have is I wish we'd had a, a better friendship and maybe that would have not, would have had these clouds in, 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 in certain situations, you know, like where, where it looks like we have beef or, you know, we're upset at each other. But, you know, this part of life, you know, it's, uh, you know, just, just the way it was, you know, and just, you know, the, no regrets in that, you know, the good run, you know, at that time, you know, um, to you know, establish those memories and friendships, and 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 and, and what Point Blank has become. You know, it's, it's cool to know that I was there in the beginning and helped in some avenue or another to bring Point Blank where it is now. Okay. And to work with those guys. So there, there you have it. Now, before I let you go, I know you had an opportunity to listen to all of the other podcasts. You got a chance to listen to Kev. You got a chance to listen to Bird. You got a chance to listen to 151. And, of course, Ivory. We've covered a lot of those bases here today. I think uh, shed some light on some things, resolved some issues. Is there anything 
from any of those podcasts that you want to address, whether it's okay, I want to clear this up or just some funny shit that you heard from one of them that that, that you just want to make mention of real quick before I let you go. Well, I mean, I did, uh, you know, I think, I think pretty Ricky just, you know, he talked about who he didn't like and who he didn't like. <laughs> uh, so he didn't say he didn't like me, so I mean, I, you know, I, I never I never even would have thought that anyway, but, uh, you know, so I, I don't really, you know, have anything to say about, you know, pretty Ricky's podcast. I mean, he, he's, he, he was pretty dead on about, accurate about everything <laughs> that went on at that time frame with him. Right. You know, it was things that I, I didn't know that he talked about in his podcast that, you know, it was good to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just to get, you know, history on, you know, his his situation and how everything became hell. I didn't know he played baseball. I think that's what he said he played baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, I, di- I didn't know he played baseball, so that's, you know, kind of crazy that I didn't know that, you know, all that time. So I didn't know he played sports. But, um, you know, we already touched up on Ivory with the B thing. I know he said, if you listening, I was listening when, when you, when you, uh, when you said it, you know, the doors open and, you know, I, I, you know, and it, like I said, there's, there's, there was never no beef then. Um, you know, just like I said, I think it was just a competitive. Just say, know, it, just say, it, Delvin. It's all Brandon's fault. If Brandon hadn't been there, none <laughs> of this shit would have happened. <laughs> well, I know, I know, I know you were right there in the mix of it. I mean, you know, I, I know that you know. I, I get you wanted, busy. <laughs> you want, you wanted some attention, and so it, it, it brought it. But you know. Right. Um, you know, it, I have, like I said, I haven't seen Ivory, and I don't, I haven't seen nobody. I mean, so like I said, Cal, you know, I've seen him. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen 151 in a long time. Uh, 151, I'll say with his podcast, I appreciated the, the good words. Uh, you know, I, I think the same thing about him. He's humble. We were a lot of light. He's quiet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, he came a long way with his, with his craft. You know, when he started DJing downtown at the club on uh, Bay Street, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, the club he did out at the beach with, uh, you, you could just see he was more confident. And, you know, he, he, he came a long way from, from the Roxy. Um, so it was, it was cool to, to hear, hear from him and see where he's at, what he's doing, and, and to get those words from him. But it was always respect for, uh, for, for 151. Uh, I never let anything that anybody said outside, like, man, you should be closing or, you know, I never, you know, I, I never was one to be talking about, you know, stuff like that. You know, just and I never let it stir up, you know, controversy or anything. You know, he he gave me my first, like I said, he gave me my first gig, and you know, he was always calling. You know, he actually he's the one that gave me the the uh, the program to start doing the uh, radio show. You know, and he actually let me do the mix some of the mixes at his house. You know, so I mean, he. Uh, he was a team player, you know, he, he wasn't, he was, he was definitely not a selfish DJ or selfless and, you know, he was always there to help. Um, who else, who else in the middle? Well, I, 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 I'll close out with this one. And one thing I want to say before, you know, I just mentioned this, this person name. I believe he DJed at the Maylock, DJ Dr. Doom. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've known these Dr. Dooms before I was, you know, I was just a fan, you know, when they used to have those CDs, the Battle of the Home Jam. Yeah. I mean, we're talking, you know, way, way back. So to have him DJ at my at that May launch, that to me was just like a, a priceless thing to see. Wow, this, you know, him, you know, at my birthday party. And we had, you know, to be able to build that relationship with him over the years and, you know, shoot pool and have all them competitions and stuff. And he's a good dude. And he was all, he actually, you know, gave me gigs and stuff as well. So I didn't, that did get mentioned. 
made lines, and I wanted to add that to that at that moment. Uh, Rick Rude, um, you know, he's still doing his thing. He's working with Cap. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I try to at least every now and then see how everybody's doing, you know, through looking on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, you know, it's good to see people are still doing what they're doing and, and, and you know, having some success with it. Um, you know, you know, I, I, you know, I can't sit here and say that sometimes I don't miss it, but, you know, I, like I say, I had to do what I had to do that's best for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, I'll leave it lastly. And I, I'm, if I miss somebody, I apologize. You know, it's just, it's a lot of people to acknowledge, but I have to acknowledge the guy that, you know, was my partner in the end. And, uh, that's Cap. You know, he, uh, like I say, he was loyal. Uh, he was more than just a DJ partner. He was a friend. And, you know, his door was always open. We, I was at his house all the time. He was at mine. Um, and it's just, you know, and I said, I gotta pause that. Let me also say, I gotta say to Bird. Cause Bird was there at the Roxy. And just as like a, just a fill in. Mm-hmm. And now he's the face, probably, I guess, of Point Blank, doing pure. And, and you know, I got to give much, you know, love and support to him. He He's came a long way and, and uh, proud of him, you know, and, and from where he was then to now. So shout out to you, Bird, and just keep doing your thing, you know. And uh, But, you know, to end it with Cap, man, you know, it's uh, great to see where he's at and what he's doing. Um, but he's, a, you know, like I said, devoted friend to sit down with DJ D-Money. D-Money, I want to thank you for taking this time out. I'm so glad we got an opportunity to do this, and hopefully we'll get a chance to talk a little bit more in the future. For those of you who are enjoying the podcast, please make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud, give comments on iTunes. That gets us bumped up and everything like that so that people really see it and people who aren't necessarily typing it in, they'll get it in their suggestions and things like that as a podcast that they need to check out. Now, if you need to get in contact with me, you can hit me up on the new email for the podcast. That's EST1984podcast at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on Instagram at EST1984podcast, or you can hit up my personal Instagram at Brandon Kobe Jacobs. Man, you've been listening to the legendary DJ D Money. I'm Brandon Kobe Jacobs, and this is the Established 1984 Podcast. Take care.